want to talk to you about voices. Voices. If you hear voices, it's okay because we all do. Um, now, I'm going to say it again because you didn't believe me. So hopefully if I say it at least three more times, you'll believe me. But if you hear voices, it's okay because if we're being honest, we all do. And what I mean by that is this, is that I'm not talking about always an audible voice, you know, that we're hearing multiple voices around us or something of, of that nature. But I am saying that all of us are hearing voices inside of ourselves that are influencing the way that we think and the way that we feel. Some of us are laser tuned into the voice of our past and the voice of our past reminding us of the areas in our lives where we have failed, reminding us of the areas in our lives that we're ashamed. Some of us are tuned into the voice of our temptation in the present or an addiction that we might be facing. And we entertain this voice often, and this voice is something that is troubling to us. It's haunting to us. How many of you have been frustrated with a voice that you can't seem to be able to quiet? Uh, some of us are hearing a voice in the now, in the present time of discouragement, of hopelessness, of anxiety. Thoughts are coming to us that are making us unsettled and unsure regarding the future of our family or the future of our marriage or the future of our business. There's all kinds of voices happening around us. There's all kinds of chatter going on in the air around us. And it's an important thing for us to know and to realize is that we are all, everybody that I'm looking at tonight and everybody within the sound of my voice, if you are a person, if you are a human being, you are a spiritual being. We know and we've been taught, and you can go and search this out in the scriptures if you'd like as well. Start around 1 Thessalonians. But we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. There's this tri-dimensional component to who we are as people because we're made in the image of the one who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's this image of God upon us as humanity that we exist in these three realms. If I take your spirit out of you, how many of you know that we'll still be able to see you in physical form, but you will no longer be here? You'll just be an empty bag of skin and, and bones and we'll be able to tell it to you because you'll still look like you but your spirit is that eternal part of you that is going to go and be with the Lord if you fall asleep uh, what I love about the scriptures is that it says anybody that's in Christ whenever they die it just says they fall asleep and, uh, and we get to be with the Lord. And upon the returning of Christ, we're going to receive glorified bodies, resurrected bodies, real flesh bodies. But they won't be subject to sin and death and decay. And our spirit will come back into our body and we'll live in this eternal, perfected state. How many of you are looking forward to that day? That's, a, that's an eternal hope that we have as believers. And the thing that you have to know and realize is that you are built in such a way that you're able to tune into spiritual realities. You're able to tune in to invisible things that are going on in environments around you. Have you ever just been around particular people and you knew that when you were around that particular person, it's probably a good idea not to be around them for very long? You ever been walking down the street and there's just this sense that you get that if I go over there, there's going to be trouble? 
Have you ever uh, been in the middle of a work day and you just get a sense that something's wrong at home and it's not a couple seconds later that your spouse calls you and says such and such has happened with one of the kids or this has happened with one of the grandparents. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's this, there's this sense that we have on the inside of us to things that are happening invisibly in the world around us but that have effect on the real physical things that we can touch, see, feel, and interact with. And in that invisible space around us, there's voices. And I would like to propose that these voices, a lot of the time, are connected to uh, spiritual realities. How many of you know that there is a good side and a bad side of the spirit realm? There's light and there's dark. There's enemy voices around us. There's, if, you, if you look in John chapter 10, Jesus actually talks about this in the context of him being the shepherd, us being the sheep, and how we're supposed to know his voice so that we won't follow the voice of a stranger. How many of you know the voice of the stranger is the voice of the enemy? And he's an enemy of our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. The battleground that we experience in regards to invisible spiritual things always manifests in the realm of our soul first, which is in regards to mind, will, and emotions. Our mind, our will, and our emotions, that soul, that inner dialogue that we have here, the, our heart, the seat of our emotions, the place that we're able to, if you will, tune into what's going on in spiritual climates around us, that's where we pick up frequencies of things being really right or things being really wrong. It's in this soul realm, in our mind, our will, and our emotions that we're feeling the effect of voices that are happening around us. Is everybody with me? These voices that are happening around us, once again, are of one or two things. They're either coming from the voice of the shepherd or the voice that's connected to the voices of the kingdom of God, the things of light, or they're coming from the voice of the stranger. The thief that kills, steals, and destroys. And one of the things that I have encountered very frequently in working with Christians is that many Christians, many Christians, if we were to do an honest survey and have you raise hands, I'm not going to do that tonight, but if we were to do that, I could, I could show you, even in this building tonight, that there's a lot of Christians that end up becoming condemned because of thoughts that they have and emotions that they feel. A lot of Christians experiencing temptation, real temptation, daily struggle to abstain from sin or daily struggle to live above the influence of depression. I've talked to many of these folks and there's this sense that there's something wrong with them or they're inherently flawed because they constantly struggle in regards to these thoughts, these emotions, these voices that are around them. And we'll probably spend a, a little bit uh, in regards to this, this topic and come at it from different angles. But specifically tonight, I want to talk to you around this voice of the stranger that we're not supposed to follow. Part of the fact of us being a spiritual being is that we're going to be able to pick up spiritual transmission. Negative and positive. And I think that a lot of the church is deceived as a whole. And the deception results in condemnation. Because many Christians struggle with rogue thoughts. Struggle with attractions or impulses. 
And they feel that because they're struggling with these thoughts or these voices, these attractions, these impulses, that they're an inferior type of Christian. That there's people like me or Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Lee, or, or whoever is a, a person of, uh, of sp- uh, a spiritual leader that you look up to in your life. And the assumption is when I talk to my brothers and sisters that struggle with these things is that we never struggle with anything like that. <laughs> that, that there's this place, and, and I used to actually believe this. I used to believe that there was this place that you would finally get to in God that you would just no longer be tempted with anything. And there was this place that you would get to in God that you would just not have any rogue thoughts. You'd never have a perverse thought again in your life because you were just walking in such close union with the Lord. Let let me tell you this. If that is the goal and even the model that we set for people, then we're setting them up to fail for their entire lives. Because I would like to propose to you tonight that freedom, in walking in freedom... And walking in power and walking in how to be able to deal with these voices is not about never experiencing them again. It's about no longer being controlled by them. That is where we have to begin to teach people. And that I'm starting tonight and I would love for you to be able to carry these types of conversations on in life groups throughout the summer in your interaction with your family but we have to be able to create an environment of vulnerability as a church that people are able to get off of their chest the things that they're hearing and the things that they're feeling. Most believers are so intimidated of the stranger's voice that we either ignore it or whenever people tell us that they're dealing with interacting with this stranger voice in their life, we just don't know what to do. A lot of us in that particular realm feel deep down, maybe even powerless when it comes to that. Not knowing how to coach or encourage people to let go of that particular voice or to seek the voice of truth. And there's all kinds of cliches that we use and there's all kinds of, of, uh, of spiritualized tactics that we'll encourage folks with. But I just want to level with you tonight and I want to tell you the truth. And this is the truth, that you're never going to stop being tempted. And you're never going to stop having random thoughts that you shouldn't have. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand that you need to know. Experiencing temptation, experiencing rogue thoughts is not the same thing as being tormented. Torment is something that is continual, never break, never a pause, and you feel like you have zero control over. I can tell you in my personal life why I don't get all out of whack in serving the Lord and being an example of Christ to others whenever I'm tempted is because temptation doesn't have any control on me. The reason I don't get all out of whack whenever I have a bad thought or I want to, you know, uh, cuss the guy out in traffic or whatever it might be, uh, and then of course they're never going to hear you, so you only end up really cussing at yourself. So that's, that's not quite as fun in the delivery because you want them to be able to hear what you're saying. I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. Is that okay? I, you know, I, some people, you know, they like to lie. I just, I don't like to do that. I just like to tell you the truth, all right? So here's the thing that I want to encourage you with is that those temptations, those impulses, 
those things that you know that you shouldn't do, those things are not going to totally go away. And we paint a picture for people. Like there's going to get to this, this place in their life where they're just no longer going to be tempted with things. And what we have to do is we have to encourage people that it's okay to be honest about the voices that they're struggling with. That it's okay to be honest about the things that they're thinking and they're feeling. But we have to be honest in them that there's an ability to live beyond its control. There's this ability in learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit to actually tune into the right voice. It's an interesting thing, but whenever I struggle with a voice of hopelessness, or I struggle with a voice of discouragement, or I struggle with a voice that I hear and that I sense that is making me feel like I'm doing nothing of quality, substance, or of lasting effect in the kingdom of God. If you were to ask uh, a, a, a pastor, if they throughout their ministerial career had ever struggled with a voice of insignificance, of feeling like they weren't doing everything that they could be doing for God or they weren't measuring up or that they weren't having really impact on people, every single one of them, unless they were lying, would tell you that they have struggled with that voice before. Is everybody okay? The reason why Thoughts like that and feelings like that don't slow me down is because of this simple phrase. My thoughts are real. My feelings are real, but they're not always truthful. Most Christians, especially in ministering to fellow Christians, want to immediately expose how much of a lie the voice is that they don't even bother to stop and actually connecting compassion to the person that's experiencing it. Because we like to say things like, well, you shouldn't think that about yourself. Or you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, That's not a great tactic. Because if anybody's actually dealing with depression and you tell them you shouldn't feel that way, they don't just snap out of being depressed. Let me tell you this. Feelings are for feelings. Sorry, feelings are for feeling. Not always for explaining. You have a free will right to feel whatever way that you want to feel. You've got a free will right to think whatever you want to think. But can I get a witness that there's some feelings about you, about your spouse, about your kids, about your ministry that are more truthful than some of the other feelings you might have day to day. And there's some thoughts about yourself, your spouse, your kids, your ministry that are more truthful than some thoughts you might have day to day. The thing that you have to realize as a believer is that you are not your thoughts. There are a lot of Christians that are deceived in the sense that they think that if something enters into their brain, the source of that thing is them. And that's not true. Just because you think a thing does not mean that it originated in you or that it's even from you. And the same way that if you get a piece of mail delivered to your house that has your address but somebody else's name, or the same way you get a piece of mail to your house that has somebody else's name and a totally different address, you don't keep things that don't belong to you, do you? No. You return that particular envelope, that particular package to the sender. 
don't you? Because you, as a born-again believer, do not live in the nature of the thief. Thieves take things that don't belong to them. You live in the nature of God Almighty. And He's truthful, and He's equitable, and He's just. So as a believer, you don't receive things that don't belong to you. The reason why I don't struggle whenever I'm tempted in a particular area... Or I don't allow that to make me feel bad or to condemn myself. As, oh, what kind of pastor am I because I was tempted to be angry or I was tempted to lust or I was tempted to eat too much at the Chinese buffet. And that temptation usually manifests into sin. I just, that's the one that I'm, I'm having a tough time with. But whatever that particular thing is or that feeling or I woke up today and I feel so hopeless or I woke up today and I feel like I'm not making any impact. The reason I still get out of bed and go make impact anyway is because I know that those things don't belong to me. And I don't live in the nature of the thief, so I don't hold on to things that don't belong to me. When I hear a stranger's voice, I choose not to follow it. And I don't even try to really diagnose why I heard the stranger's voice in the first place. I just make sure that I know whose voice I need to be listening to, which is the voice of the shepherd. And I get on down the road. Most Christians get so stuck in introspection. I'm hearing this voice of hopelessness and and, and this and this and this. And there's got to be something flawed. There's got to be something wrong with me. What if you're just actually inspiring hope everywhere you go and the enemy wants to lie to you with hopelessness to stop you from your ministry of hope? If you slow down and try to see, oh, where's this hopelessness originating? Maybe the hopelessness is originating because you're just contagious with hope. But that usually spurs into some type of you know, conversation, which could potentially lead to counseling, and I have no problem with that. I, I do have a heart to, to counsel people, but my goal in counseling people is freedom, not to be a crutch for them for the rest of their life. So there's, there's different relationships that I get into in a counseling platform, and I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and I tell them that at the beginning. If your goal is freedom, we'll get along great. If your goal is to find a place to complain, it's not going to work. We got to get down the road. We got to move. We got to get to where we, we need to be. My job is to connect you with Jesus. In John 10, Jesus said that my sheep know my voice. And in the beginning of the chapter, it says, and as strangers, they won't follow. Too many Christians are heeding the voice of a stranger and not the voice of the shepherd. Because for a momentary lapse in the middle of their day, they had a lustful thought. And it's code red, mission critical. I had this lustful thought. What area in my life is an open door to the enemy? And I have to go through 12 different levels of deliverance because I had a lustful thought. Don't get me wrong. If you're tormented with it, then yeah, let's get you delivered. But just because you were going through your day and you had some rogue thought pop in your head, you don't need to let that slow down your role and your walk with the Holy Spirit. Church, can I be really honest with you? And I, I'm going to. I actually, at this point, and here's, here's what I need to tell you. I don't, if this bothers you, you, just, you really need to just stop being religious and get over yourself. If what I'm about to say is going to bother you. I have legitimately been in prayer lines for people. Prayer lines. Laying hands on them. The power of God hitting them. People falling and flopping and bouncing on the floor and cancer getting healed and all kinds of crazy stuff. I've been in the middle of prayer lines praying for people and had the most bizarre, off-the-wall, perverted thought come out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. Here's what I did. I dropped to the floor and I said, I'm not holy enough to continue ministering down the prayer line. 
There's something wrong with me. I'm deeply flawed. I need to go to Pastor Lee and be delivered of all these things. No, you know what I've done whenever those kinds of things has happened? I've put a little bit more force whenever I lay hands on the next person. And my voice elevates a little bit more. And we're going to go after healing in a deeper measure. Why? Because that is a place in time where I have just encountered some resistance. And because I've made a decision to believe the voice of the shepherd of strangers, I won't follow. No, that's actually not who I am. So I don't go do a ritual cleansing ceremony. I don't go to the confessional booth and tell Pastor Dwayne all my dirty thoughts I've had that week. Because here's the thing. I don't even call them mine. Because they're not mine. I've just figured out what's mine and what's not mine. And I don't call mine the things that aren't mine. Because that's the nature of a thief and I don't live in that nature. I live in the nature of a son. So I don't claim things that are not mine. It's not mine. It, 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 I know it seems like really just basic. But I'm telling you, this is profound. I, this, this particular thing right here is one of the things that, that I have used to help more people. Then, then, and I, at this point, I can even, seriously, I can even, I can even count. I, I, I've helped people even come out of deep places in regards to perversion in their sexuality, with homosexuality, by this simple phrase, you are not your thoughts. So you, you felt a feeling. It's a good thing the Bible says we're supposed to live by faith. Not by feelings and not by attraction. I love a minister of mine that I love by the name of Chris Valentin. He says it this way. You're not defined by the temptations you resist. You're defined by the virtues you embrace. A lot of Christians define themselves based upon the things they're resisting instead of the one they're supposed to be embracing. If I believe that as a born-again child of God, I have the mind of Christ, I have a new nature, that anything that's contrary to God's thoughts is not my thoughts. So if it's not mine, it has to be somebody else's, probably the enemy, maybe my past, whatever it might be. But I'm glad that Jesus is taking care of my past, cleansed me of my sin, made me white as snow. And when an old demon of the past comes to have a conversation, they find that I have changed addresses. I don't live where I used to anymore. There's nothing you can say to condemn me. There's nothing you can bring up about my, my failures. There's nothing that you can do in the, in the temporary time to try to get me to be led by anxiety or word. Let me tell you something. Any area in your life that you're being controlled by the enemy. I know this is going to be hard what I'm about to say, but I love you too much to lie to you. Any area of your life that you're allowing the enemy to control you, you need to wake up and realize that you're the one allowing it. Jesus really stripped the devil of all power and authority on the cross. He really did. The scripture said he made a public spectacle of him. Humiliated him by his faithfulness and his obedience to God. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, so I give it to you. He didn't say, but 50% of it I left for the devil. Didn't say that. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and I have given it to you. So any area of your life where a stranger's voice is tormenting you is an area that you have given the devil legal access to have in your life. Because when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. When I believe the lie, the voice of hopelessness, and I start adopting hopelessness as a worldview, guess how you're going to live? Hopeless. 
because you have partnered with it. You've come into alignment with it. And the beautiful thing that I love about Jesus is that when he left, he gave all authority on heaven and earth was given him. He gave it to us, but then he went so far, and he didn't just give us all the authority that he has. He also gave us the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, chapter 16, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. And I love it. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's job is to lead and guide us into all truth. Man, isn't that powerful? So there's this beautiful thing that happens whenever we believe a couple things. Number one, that not every thought you have and feeling you have is truthful. Number two, not every thought and feeling that you have is yours. Number three, you actually have authority over the things that you hear and the things that you feel. And four, when you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit's there to help you. My son, I talk about him a lot because he's awesome. So, you know, I have five kids, you know, I got four girls, one boy. And uh, I think it's just sometimes, I don't know what it is. It's just often, often I feel like uh, I'm helping everybody in my family walking through uh, you know, processing emotion because my wife and I are helping everyone because all the kids are small. But there's just certain times that my son seems to display a little bit more emotion than everybody else, and uh, and I don't know what that I don't know what's up with that. We're 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 working through that. I think there's some uh, some discernment gift there and just some different things. But there's this awesome tool that I use with my son that I want to give to you guys because I feel like it would be helpful for you to use too. And here's the thing about it: we just make things way more complicated than they should be. Uh, I think part of it is because we like to intellectualize everything because a lot of Christians like to hear themselves talk more than they like to hear God talk. Uh, and sometimes we just don't think that, you know, or we think that our problem is so big that the solution really can't be that simple. And we really downplay the tools and the resources that Jesus has given us to walk with kingdom authority in this life. I, I, I get so grieved sometimes because I really think that we limit our engagement and our interaction with the Holy Spirit. I really don't think that we often are leveraging the third person of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit the way that Jesus meant for him to be utilized. Jesus actually said in the Gospel of John that it was better for him to leave so that he could send us the Holy Spirit. Think about that. He says, it's better for you that I go away so that I can send the helper to you. And the helper's job is to lead and guide you into some truth. No, all truth. So there's this tool when helping, helping my son deal with emotion. And, uh, and, I, and I, use it, I, I use it on the other kids too, but it's just fun because I, I, with my son, I just I love his reaction when I take him through this thing. So my son, he'll get, and it's, it's, pro, it's part of the problem of being the, the, the second born. How many of you second born people know deep down you were supposed to be first born people? Like you're second born, but you know deep down you were supposed to be the oldest kid. And you're like, okay, now you kind of have a picture of what I'm talking about with, with my son. So a lot of my son's emotion that he's experiencing is because uh, my oldest, Jovi, she knows that she's the firstborn, and, uh, and she just knows that she's the boss. And Judah's not okay with that all the time. So a lot of the emotion that he brings to me is disagreement. And Jovi, she really does. She has this grace in her life to lead. And we go, you know, hang out with other people and their kids. And Jovi will end up, you know, getting everybody huddled up and, and just being the teacher, being the leader, taking around, except Judah. 
Judah. He's always trying to like stage some kind of a, you know, a, a revolt against Job. He's like, you don't really have to listen to her. We can really do whatever, whatever we want. And uh, anyway, those kinds of things. But here's the, here's the funny thing about my son is that he come to me with these emotions. A lot of times some offense is going on with his older sister. And this is this, this uh, thing I started doing with him. But he would come to me and he would just be you know, mad or he'd be crying. And he'd come to me. And, and as his dad, I wouldn't tell him, you need to stop being angry or you need to stop crying. I would say, hey, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. We're just not going to let that control us. So even though you feel that way, we're still going to have a conversation. How many Christians, because of the shame of the emotion that they're experiencing or because of the shame of the voice that they've been entertaining, they cut off communication and conversation with the Father. When that's the only place that we're ever going to even get the ability to process the voices and the emotions and the things that we're feeling. Are you still with me? So I say, okay, even though you're feeling this, you're not going to be controlled by it, so we're still going to talk. And as we begin to talk, I say, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to ask Holy Spirit... Why? Ask Holy Spirit what you're feeling. Let me tell you this, guys. A lot of the things that you're feeling aren't even really the things that you're feeling. And a lot of the things that you're thinking aren't really even the things that you're thinking. There's things happening to you. Here's the thing. You are a lot more deep and you are a lot more fearfully and wonderfully made than you're giving yourself credit for. There are deep powerful spiritual things going on inside of you and around you as the people of God. And just because you have a particular emotion manifesting in a particular moment doesn't mean that A, you even know why it's there or B, you even know which, what emotion it particularly is. It takes connection with the Holy Spirit to begin to process through areas of our lives that if we're not careful can come under enemy control. So I said, Judah, close your eyes, and I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what are you feeling? I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit says, I'm mad. Judah, why are you mad? Ask Holy Spirit why you're mad. He says, I'm mad because of such and such and such and such with usually his sister. <laughs> I said, okay, Judah, ask Holy Spirit. What he wants you to do with that particular emotion. He'll always give me an answer. He'll say, oh, well, uh, he told me that I just, need to, I, just need to, I just need to let it, I need to give it to him. Or I need to go and I need to apologize to my sister. Or, or, or I need to pray. Or I need to just hang out with you for a little bit. Whatever it might be. Let, let me encourage you guys with something here. Is that the things in your life that are bothering you emotionally... The things in your life that are bothering you in your thought life, your dad wants to talk to you and help you with those things. And a lot of times because we feel this, this reservation to open up to the family of God and to share things that are going on really with us in our life groups or one-on-one in, 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 a, in a healthy, uh, you know, Christ-centered relationship, because we don't often engage that way we end up not engaging with the Father at all. Or because of our view of ourself or because of possibly a stranger's voice that we've been entertaining, we think that it's our job just to 
pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and just figure out a way to deal with it on our own. Let me share something with you that the Lord revealed to me. And this is, this is pretty recent. God showed me how throughout the majority of my Christian life, and I say the majority because I only really count a designated portion of my life as true Christian life, even though I was saved at a young age. But the majority of my recent Christian life, I had this deep-seated belief that I couldn't give myself permission to process pain. I couldn't afford to give myself permission to process, truly process, negative emotion. That if I had a particular thing I was dealing with in regards to hopelessness or if I was dealing with a particular area in doubt or if I was dealing in whatever negative emotional area, it was my job just to push it out of the way, strap myself, pick myself up by my bootstraps, which is really hard to do if you've ever tried that before, <laughs> physically, to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Because I have to be strong. I have to have it together. I have to make sure that the people around me know that they can count on me. And can I be honest with you? When you don't deal with things, they don't get dealt with. When you don't deal with things, they don't get dealt with. You can tell yourself that you've just put it out of sight and out of mind. But then three or four months down the road, you hear yourself knocking dangerously close on the door of a breakdown. Why? Because you never gave yourself permission to, one, be honest with yourself about the emotion. I do not think that the authority that Christ gave us looks like denial. A lot of Christians do. We equate spiritual authority to living in denial. So when there's issues, we just don't say what it is, we don't say the name, and we pretend like it's not going on in the name of, of speaking the right thing. Let me encourage you with something. Whenever Jesus saw that there was a storm, first of all, he was asleep in the bottom of the boat, which means he wasn't all that disturbed by it. But the disciples came and they woke him up. Jesus enacted spiritual authority in that situation, not by telling them what storm, but by acknowledging it and speaking to it. You can't cast a mountain into a sea that you're not acknowledging as a mountain. And you can't speak to a storm and see it's stilled unless you acknowledge that there's a storm. Are you following me? A lot of people in the name of exercising authority are really just exercising denial. This emotion's come I'll just push it out of the way. This thought's come here, I'll just push it out of the way. And in those moments, in those times, where we're encountering a stranger's voice, there is a deep need that we have as God's children to in that moment reconnect with the voice of the shepherd. To in that moment actually invite the Holy Spirit in to that place. A lot of people are ashamed to invite God into that place. They're, in, they're ashamed to invite God in to that place of emotion, that place of pain. Because there's this belief that they have that they're supposed to just be stronger than that. They're supposed to be bigger than that. Let me tell you this. It's important that you acknowledge that some of the things that you're thinking and that you're feeling are not yours. Granted, good to acknowledge. But here's the thing that you need to know too. Is that it's also important to acknowledge what is yours in the midst of you acknowledging what's not. And what is not yours is a stranger's voice. But what is yours is the voice of your father. And a lot of times we will do the first part, which is the first part of the message, if you haven't figured it out yet, acknowledging what's not ours and being ready to dismiss it, but not recentering ourselves around the truth of what is. It's only a 50% done project 
Whenever I cast down a thought of hopelessness, but I don't connect to Jesus who is my hope and let him prophesy into my existence. Let him speak into my situation. That's what makes it 100% a done deal. It's only a 50% done deal whenever I say I'm not going to partner with that emotion of anger right there, but I don't allow myself to experience the delightful benefits of in a moment now partnering with the Prince of Peace. I have to be willing to, one, acknowledge that stranger's voice in my life, not let it slow me down or condemn me, but in that moment I need to partner with the God who loves me and invite his voice into that situation. There's a lot of different areas in our lives that we've settled for a lie. And I feel that the Lord, especially in this place tonight, wants to do a particular work in freeing people from being controlled and manipulated by thoughts that are not theirs. God wants to do a particular work in the room tonight of freeing people from being controlled and manipulated by untrue feelings and emotions. And the way that he's going to do it is twofold. One, to acknowledge that there's something that you've been hanging on to that you don't have to hang on to anymore. And two, there's something that God has for you to replace it. God never asks you to let go of something without returning to you promise that he has for you. God never asks you to let go of something that's mediocre so that you have nothing. He asks you to let go of something that's mediocre so that he can give you something that's great. He asks you to let go of strangers' voices so that you can partner with the voice of the shepherd, so that you can partner with the voice of the one that loves you and that cares about you. And this is an actual practical thing that you have to do in your life. You actually have to make, I know, I know it sounds so crazy, <laughs> but here's the thing. We all hear voices, and if we're honest, we all talk to ourselves. I just believe that we need to start hearing the right voices, and we need to learn how to talk, how, and we need to learn how to, talk to the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know if you figured this out by now, but a lot of times when you talk to yourself, you never get the problem fixed because sometimes you're the problem. <laughs> Acknowledge where you have allowed strange voices to condemn you, to keep you in a place of feeling less than, and make a decision. Every head bowed and every eye closed. All over the room tonight. There's a reason why I had this in my heart tonight to share. is because as we go into the seven days of prayer, I want us to be able to take care of in the room tonight strangers' voices. So that with now ears that have been cleansed, minds that have been realigned, we can readily engage with the voice of our shepherd, our father that loves us. I feel like there's people in the room tonight that need to end partnership with voices and thoughts and feelings and emotions that they've been classifying as theirs. You need to wake up to the reality that spiritual warfare is real. You need to wake up to the reality that there is an enemy that seeks to destroy you, but that he doesn't have any authority over you. That there's authority that you have from your relationship with Jesus that can in this moment recognize that lying voice and immediately, by faith and trust in the Holy Spirit, you can invite the Holy Spirit into that place so that he can release his truth over you. 
I believe in the ministry teams that come to the altar. I believe in the gifts of prophecy to speak over your life. But here's something that you need to know. Somebody's ability to prophesy over you does not remove your need to hear from God personally. God wants to speak something individual to you tonight. In your heart right now, I want you to partner with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask him, where have I allowed a stranger's voice to speak to me in my life? Where have I allowed myself to be controlled and manipulated by a stranger's voice? Could be a voice of insecurity. Could be a voice of fear. And specifically, I want to start with people in the room that legitimately feel like they have been controlled by this voice. Not just that it comes and goes and you feel like you've got a handle on it, you're able to quickly dismiss, to move on, to partner with truth, but this is an area that you're stuck in. I, Pastor Zach, I can't get beyond this voice. I can't get beyond this emotion. I can't get beyond this feeling. You would classify it as tormenting to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, I just want you to open your hands like you're receiving a present. If there's a stranger's voice in your life that you have not had the ability to get past, it has been controlling you. People with hands open around the room, I want you to just do this. Right where you are, just in a whisper, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, show me the lie. Show me the lie that I believe about you, about myself, about that person. Why don't you do this? Whenever you, whenever you feel like Holy Spirit has identified to you what that lie is, I want you just to wave. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lead and guide us into all truth. Thank you for people all over the room that are about to step into a new level of your truth. If you're having trouble hearing, I want you to do this right where you're at. Just in a whisper, I want you to say these words. Father God, I will never again pray and ask for you to speak to me. Because I believe that you're always speaking to me. I believe that I'm your child. And that part of my birthright is to be able to hear my Father's voice. Holy Spirit, help me hear the already speaking voice of my Father. And if that's you, ask Holy Spirit again. Say, Holy Spirit, show me the lie I believe. Very simple. With childlike faith. I want you to ask him this now. Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Whatever he tells you, I encourage you to write it down. As it comes to you, put it in your phone, put it on your note, pad, whatever. Write down the truth that's being revealed to you right now. Now, whatever that enemy voice was, whatever that voice is that's been controlling you, try your best just to condense it down to one word. Fear, shame, worry, insecurity, whatever it might be. And once you get your one word, I want you to insert that word 
and what I'm about to tell you. So if that's you, repeat this after me. Say this. In the name of Jesus, today, I end partnership with the voice of, and you say the, you say the name. Say, that voice no longer has access to me. I partner with the truth that's been revealed to me. Ministry teams, if you want to come. I think it was very fitting that Pastor Gavin prayed specifically in the opening prayer over marriages. I feel this very strong in my heart. There's people here tonight that are believing lies about their spouse. And this is what I want to encourage you with. I want you to partner with the Holy Spirit this week. And I want you to ask Holy Spirit to show you how He sees your spouse. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you how He sees your spouse. And I guarantee you this, it will change your perspective. It'll change your vision. It'll change your interaction. Because whenever we learn how to see each other the way that God sees us, it's in that place and in that time that heaven comes to earth. It comes in a new way, in a fresh way. When I choose to relate to you, on the basis of what God says, not what I feel and not what I think, that's whenever we can be a people of breakthrough. That's whenever we can be people that love each other back into a place of life, health, and trust. Amen? It's just a little commission. I gave you some homework. That's fine. He also prayed for kids. I want you to partner with the Holy Spirit this week. If you're a parent and you're having a hard time with one of your kids... I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this week to show you how he sees your kid. And I want you to start speaking to and acting toward your child the way that the Father shows you that he sees them. Can you do that? Last one. Some of you need to do the same thing for your boss, whoever you work for. Some of you are having a really tough time with your employer. And I want you to partner with the Holy Spirit this week. And ask him, whenever you see so-and-so, what do you see? And I want you to be a prophetic messenger of the goodness of God to that person. And I want you to act towards them, not based upon how you currently feel about them, but based upon what the Holy Spirit reveals to you about that person. Can you do that? All right. God will tell me if you don't. He'll tell me your name and I'll come (laughs) and I'll talk to you and I'll find out why. Just kidding. Good, good. Uh, my goal tonight was not to be profound. My goal tonight was to be helpful. Because I believe that whenever we make a decision to commit ourselves to help the people around us, it'll be profound how God uses us. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to walk with you, that you would grow us in regards to 
not only dismissing thoughts, feelings, and emotions that aren't ours, but grow us in our ability to partner with truth. Help us to be people that live lives saturated in your truth and that where we go, people find freedom because of the hope that's within us. Thank you for preparing our hearts for this upcoming seven days of prayer and this upcoming Jubilee season. We love you. And as a grateful people, we said, amen. Amen. If you love Jesus, give him a little praise before we leave. Isn't that good? That is awesome.